You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. To talk about listening to the voices of faith and the voices of fear. I want to talk about fighting the good fight of faith. And I want to talk about how where we where, where the where the attention goes, the energy flows. The where we put our attention, that's what gets the energy of our bodies, of our minds, and of our imaginations. But I want to talk to you also about perspective, and firstly I want to talk about the power of perspective. You may be familiar with the term forced perspective. So forced perspective is, a, is something that is used by photographers to make things appear larger or smaller than they actually are. If you look at the photograph that I have here, for instance, we can see a guy is blowing over some people onto a beach or onto a sand dune, whichever you want to have yourself. And the guy appears very big and looks like he's blowing a bunch of small people off his hand. But all it is, is what they call a forced perspective. It's used all the time in photography, it's used in cinematography, it's used all the time in the stuff that you look at. And it, it's a way of making us to look, look at something or forcing us to look at something. Now sometimes when it comes to what's large and what's small, what's important and what's not important in our lives, our perspective is forced by our fears. Sometimes our fears force our perspective and sometimes our faith forces our perspective. I want to look today about having the right perspective on our lives and our situations and I believe that today it's going to speak directly to many people who are in this in this hall here upstairs in the atrium in the cafe church space and out there online who are looking because I really feel God has put this on my heart in terms of how it is that we view ourselves and how we view the trials and situations that we face up to. You know, sometimes there can be things in our lives that seem gigantic and they're not that gigantic in the end. Sometimes there are things that can seem very small and unimportant, but they turn out to be really important in the end. And that's what I'm going to be looking at in just a few seconds, how it is that we view ourselves and how we view our world. Sometimes the giants in our lives, we just have to take them on. Confront them. Don't put up with them. Don't tolerate them. Don't appease them. Confront them. The things that sometimes go on in our lives. I want to look this morning at Numbers chapter 13. That's where we're going to be looking at a story and narrative from Numbers chapter 13. The story so far, the children of Israel have escaped out of Egypt. They've been delivered with incredible miracles. God has done incredible miracles. He's visited the plagues upon Egypt. He has opened the Red Sea before them. He has fed them with manna, led them by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire through the wilderness. And we're now looking at the story about two years after they left Egypt. There are thereabouts. It's hard to get the chronology exactly right, but it's nearabouts two years after they came out of Egypt. And this is where the story picks up in Numbers chapter 13. May God bless us as we read his word today. May we see him in a greater light. May we see his power and his purpose in our lives in a greater light. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Here we go. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. Which I am giving to the Israelites. Remember... God was already giving it to them. The promise had been given to Abraham. 
It had been given to Isaac. It had been given to Jacob. And now here it was, many hundreds of years later, being reminded to the people of Israel, reminded to Moses, to their leaders and to the people, that I am giving you this land. So he said, send up some spies to take a look at the land and see what's involved. So they picked 12 spies. They picked one leader from each tribe of the, tri of the 12 tribes of Israel, which was really clever on Moses' behalf. It was a very diplomatic move. He would then have buy-in from all the various tribes about the process that was about to happen. And this is what it says. So Moses sent them to explore Canaan, and this is what he said. He said, see what the land is like, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? He goes on. What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile? Is it poor? Are there trees in it or not? It was a good, these were good questions. It was a good exploration. He wanted to know if the promises of God were true. If what God said about the land was true. It's a wise thing to do. He sent up spies. God told him to send in spies. Go in there and take a look at this land. See what it's like. Go and see that my promises are good for it. And so they go up and they take a look at the land. No, you have to wonder a couple of things about the questions that Moses had asked. Because he said, ask him about the soil. Is it fertile or is it poor? Is there trees? What kind of people are in there? The Lord had told them that the land was fertile. The Lord had told them that it was a good land. He told them that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. He told them that they would have grapevines and fig trees and date trees and be able to grow all their, their, their wheat and their barley and oats and their rye. They were going to be able to grow everything there. And yet still, they undertake this journey. Good journey, good move, Moses. Clever move. And this was their report to Moses. As they say, so far, so good. You know, I hope it never happens to you, but if you ever go to the doctor and the doctor says, I have good news and I have bad news, this part is the good news, okay? This is the good news. We entered the land that you sent us to, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. And... Moses said to the Israelites, no, no, don't go to Ireland, go to Israel. No, a land flowing with milk and honey. It, this here is the kind of fruit it produces. And so they have produced this bunch of grapes that they had picked in a place called the Valley of Eshkol. And they picked a bunch of grapes. And the grapes are so big that two men had to carry a cluster of grapes between them and a pole. That was the size of the fruit that they got. Now I know you're very familiar with the story, most of you, but for those of you who aren't. So this was a, a cluster of grapes that was about four feet in size. I mean, I've been in the market, I've been English market vision, I've never seen a cluster of grapes this size. And they bring back this fruit. So the news is good. The land is good. It's bountiful. It's plentiful. Hallelujah. The land that God promises us is good. Would anyone say amen? amen. The land that God promises you is good. Would anyone say amen? He, he is going to be there. He is going to provide for you through the land that he promises for you. So when you think land in the next section, I don't want you to think land as in physical land. Because I don't think any of us are all going off a mad journey off to some foreign land. The land that you read about here in this application for us as we look at it is our lives. Our lives. The land that God has promised to us, the part of our lives that we have yet to take is good and God God's provision will be there for us. Amen? Amen. And then something happens. Something happens that throws the whole thing out of whack. And they begin to speak. 
And what can happen to us when we read the promises of God in our Bible, we read these promises, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Will anyone say amen? amen? My God will provide all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Will anyone say amen? amen? See the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, they don't sow nor reap nor stow into barns, and yet your Father in heaven feeds them. Would anyone say? Amen. We read it, and then something happens in our lives, and a new voice appears. The voice of fear. So they go in, no, just, just you go with this a second. They go in and they see, yes, what God said about the land is true. Hallelujah. What God says about your future, brothers and sisters, is true. Would anyone say amen? amen? And then something happens and they recognize something in the land that frightens the living daylights of them. And the voice of fear begins. And suddenly their whole perspective begins to go out of proportion suddenly all the good things of God begin to get a little bit kind of funny in their heads and in their minds and this is what it records with the people living there they're powerful like they've large tones and those tones are fortified Moses and we even saw giants there Moses bigger than Eugene that Michael went up against in the football match big giants Big, hairy, nine-foot fellas, Moses. They were big giants. And it goes on. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. I can't go up against that in my life. It's stronger than me. That temptation is stronger than me. That person is stronger than me. That boss is stronger than me. I can't go up against that situation. They're stronger than we are. And so they begin to spread a bad news and report amongst the Israelites. And the voice of fear begins to shout. We can't do it. They're too big. There's danger in that land. It's not safe. It's not a safe place to go. And brothers and sisters, you and I have been listening to a message of danger for months now. Maybe for a year and a half now. It's constant. The voice of fear is constant. There's a danger here. This is not good. Those young people are bad. They shouldn't be out in the street. We need to get them off the street. No, no, stay at home. Work from home. Get in the car. You know, with, with, with respect, with, with to masks. Now, look, I wear a mask. Yes, I believe in masks just in case anybody goes, Oh, no, my God, doesn't a mask. I do, of course. I do. It helps to not spread the infection, so it's for. But you know, when you're driving out the countryside and you walk past some poor fella who's walking up the road four miles from nowhere and he's got his mask on, you go, somebody's after getting to him. There's no one within four miles and he's wearing his mask. Or if you see a guy driving down the road in a car, on his own, in a car, wearing his mask. We've lost that fella, guys. He's gone. He ain't coming back. Because if you have to wear a mask on your own, sitting inside in the car, now I understand it's all pervasive, but it's a voice of fear that speaks to us. There has been a rash, an absolute rash. There's an epidemic of anxiety-related disorders all coming from one root, fear. Fear. Brothers and sisters, can I just say, I said that, you know, I actually said this before the coronavirus pandemic began, when there was news of, of, of a virus starting in, in, uh, in China. And forgive me if I say this, and forgive me if I overstep the barrier, but it's okay, you can shoot me afterwards. I said when I was speaking, it was at the time I was speaking in Catholic Church, I said this, 
Look at here we are, we're all Christians. We believe that God holds our future. Would anyone say amen? amen? Imagine the worst comes to the worst. I sanitize my hand, I sanitize my head, I sanitize my ears, I wear my mask, I touch nothing, I touch no one, I stay away from everyone, I lock up in my house, and I get the coronavirus, and I die. I'm going to heaven. Amen. That's what's going to happen to me. And Christians for generations were people who didn't pay too much attention to danger, but went into danger anyway because that's what they believed God wanted them to do. I just want to say, the, the point I really want to make is this, brothers and sisters, don't be continually listening to the voice of fear. Don't continually listen to it, because it will, it, will, it will stunt your growth, it will stunt your faith, and it will hold you back from achieving all that God wants you to do. And these guys began spreading this bad report. Yes, the land is good, but there's danger here. There's danger in the land. Yes, we know there's danger in the land. I got out of bed this morning, there was danger before I turned on the coffee machine. Danger is part of life. Would anyone say amen? amen. But God is good? Amen. All the time? Amen. All the time? Amen. They go on. The land we travel through will devour anyone who goes to live there. It will devour them. All the people we saw there were huge. Bring me mic away from me, mugs. They were huge. All the people we saw there were huge. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. You mean you saw huge babies? Yeah, the baby was six foot four. No, they weren't. All the people that you saw weren't huge. You see the exaggeration that begins to kick in when we, we begin to nurture our fears? Everyone is talking about me. No, they're not. Bad news. They all think that I'm, they don't. Everyone thinks that I'm, they don't. They'll all be talking about me. No, they won't. Brothers and sisters, let's not let imagination and exaggeration take over our lives. All the people we saw there were huge. It was a lie. It just wasn't true, but it was being reinforced by the other 10 guys who said, yeah, they're all huge, they're all massive, and they went from 9 feet to 19 feet, a little doubt, as the stories went on. But you could see how they began to see the world, and this is the best one. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, and this is where it gets to the punchline. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. They looked at us, and they thought that we were like grasshoppers. So brilliant. Moses said, I sent you up to the land of spies and you come back as psychologists and mind readers. Because now you know what the people of the land are thinking. They're thinking, oh, you know, you're just grasshoppers. How do you know what someone else is thinking, brothers and sisters? I love my, my beloved mother-in-law. Um, and I think I've told this before. My mother-in-law met somebody that she had worked with for a few years and they hadn't been in communication for a few years. So when she met this person, May is my mother-in-law. She's probably going to watch on YouTube later, God bless me. Um, uh, she, she, met, she met me and she said, May, you must think I'm an awful woman. I haven't seen you for two years and I never made any attempt to contact you. You must think that I'm an awful woman. To which my mother-in-law, May, said, actually, to tell you the truth, I spend an awful lot of time not thinking about you at all. <laughs> Don't assume what other people think about you. Don't assume it. Because what you think they're thinking about you may not be what you're thinking about you. For some people that's a problem because they think everybody thinks that they're great. 
know, there's few enough of those people. But if you're Irish, you think everybody thinks you're useless. Because that's how Irish people are. Because it's the post-colonial hangover that we have from being ruled by... Actually, let's move on. Let's not go to there. But that's what it's like. Don't assume that people are thinking about you or what they think about you. They're probably not thinking about you at all. These giants, what were they thinking about the spies? Well, what was the rumor? The rumor was that a vast army of people had left Egypt by miraculous power. And that God was with them. Yahweh, their God, was with them and was performing miraculous signs amongst them. And so that they fair were greater than the sum of their parts because their God was with them. That's what the people of the land were hearing. And that's what they were thinking. And we can get to that on another occasion because it literally says that the hearts of the people of the land was melting when they heard that the Israelites were coming. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. And sometimes next to our situations, our trials, whatever it is that we face, the challenges we face, let's call them challenges, we can feel like grasshoppers compared to the challenges that we face. But that is not the correct perspective and that is not the correct proportion. The question is, what are you looking at? Because there is a, um, a rule in psychology, there is an effect in psychology that is also true of faith and spirituality. And that is this. It's called the focus effect. It depends on what you look at. The more you focus on something, the bigger that issue becomes. The more you focus on a small thing, the bigger it becomes. It's like when you look through a microscope. I don't know if any of you ever looked through a microscope. You look at something that is just not visible to the naked eye, yet when you look at it through a microscope and you focus on it and you concentrate it, it can seem actually quite big until you turn your, turn your eyes away from it. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the blessings? Are you looking at the power and the size of God? Or are you looking at the problems and the power and the size of the giants and the challenges in your life? I like what Matthew Henry says about this passage about the fear of the spies. And he draws a painful conclusion. And this is what he says. He said, they had the promises and commitments of God. He'd made them to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He'd made them right the way down along the line. They had the promises and commitments of God to say, we can't do this was almost to say, God can't do this. That God is not able to make his words good. That was the implication of what they were saying. They were saying, the land is great, but we can't take it. It was the same as saying, the land is great, God can't take it for us. After he promised, I will go before you. After he said to them, be strong and be courageous. Every place where you place the foot of your soul, I will give to you. After all of his promises of a land flowing milk and honey and fruit and wheat and barley and rye and oats, all the things that he promised them, even after all of those promises, to say we can't do this was to say God can't do this. No, let me ask you this. Is anything impossible for God? No. Hallelujah. Is anything in your life impossible for God? No. Is the bringing to pass of his best blessings and best future for you impossible for God? Amen. Correct answers every time. You're really unsung today. So that was the voice of fear showing. But there was a voice of faith. You see, the voice of fear says, we can't do it. The voice of fear says, ah, it's not possible. It's not possible. The voice of fear says, there's giants. The voice of fear says, it's dangerous. The voice of fear says, it's not safe. And they were right. It wasn't safe. Yes, it was dangerous. 
there was going to have to be a fight. They were going to have to draw their swords to get into the full promises of God. There was going to be no armchair warriors. There was no sitting back and just letting the promises of God happen in my life. That's not how it works. That's not how God wanted it to work. He wanted them to draw their swords. Yeah, there's going to be giants, but you're going to defeat those giants. They're not going to defeat you. They would, the question was, did they have the stomach for the fight? We have to show up for the fight, brothers and sisters. It's that simple. We have to show up for the fight. It's not called a fight of faith for nothing. Because it's a fight. It means we will face things that we feel are bigger than us. It means we will face things that are daunting to us. But Caleb speaks up and he says, No, lads, our eyes are looking the wrong way. This is what he says. He tried to quieten the people. He said, Let's go and take the land at once, he said, because we can certainly conquer it. He was ready for the fight, even as an old man in his 80s, he went on and went, got, went in and got stuck in, in the fight. And you can be fighting all the days of your life by God's grace. And the thing about the fight was this they weren't just fighting for themselves. And it's something, brothers and sisters, that we really need to take on board. Whatever your age, whatever your stage of life, the fight isn't just about you. Because they saw the giants and they saw themselves, but they never saw God. They never saw the Lord. They said, the giants are huge, we're grasshoppers. That's what they think. They never saw the Lord. They never saw the Lord. There was going to have to be a fight. And the fight, brothers and sisters, is not just about us. It's about us, yes. But it's also about our children Amen. and our children's Amen. children. And it's about our cousins and our neighbors and our friends and our workmates. And when we fight the good fight, it encourages them. And they see something going on in our lives that makes us different from the people who capitulate and they give up. The fight is not just about you. Do you have to fight in faith? Some people think, no, you just have to accept. Jesus had to fight. He had to resist even his own disciples who said, Lord, this will never happen to you. And he had to say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Come on, Satan, get behind me. What are you saying? This is a fight. He had, he had to fight. He had to face the high priest. He had to face the, the garden of Gethsemane. He had to face the cross. He had to face the fight. That is how he became a conqueror. We sang about it just a few minutes ago. And because he's a conqueror, we will be a conqueror. Amen? Amen. And of course, there was a pushback. The guys, but the other men disagreed who had explored the land with him disagreed. They said it wasn't possible. Now here is the worrying thing to me about this story and the worrying thing that I see sometimes at work even in my own life. All of these men saw the same land, they saw the same fruit, they saw the same people, they saw the same cities, they saw the same walls, and they saw the same giants. Ten of them reacted with fear. Two of them reacted with faith. Keshbjog, a little question. What are you listening to? What voice are you listening to in your life? Is it the voice of faith or the voice of fear? For your future. Because the voice of fear will rattle its sword in your sleep. It'll come against you in bad dreams and in perceptions of reality that are not God-given. What voice are you listening to? We're going to pray about that in just a few moments. What voice are you listening to? Because I think that when it comes to perspective, we all need a perspective check in our lives. 
I used this image just a few weeks ago, two weeks ago in fact, and it's the image of the pale blue dot. Here she is over here, the pale blue dot. For those of you who are looking in online, there is the pale blue dot here. That's the planet Earth pictured from six billion kilometers away. And it's a good way of getting a good perspective on all the things that are going on and going wrong in our lives. But in truth, the Israelites were completely wrong in their view because they only saw the giants and they saw themselves and they assumed what the giants saw. But this is what Isaiah says, through, the Lord says through Isaiah, God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. Even the giants stalking around the land look like grasshoppers to him. Even the giants that are in your life and in your mind, the challenges you face seem like grasshoppers to him because he has the correct perspective. He has what we can only fairly describe as being the true perspective of your life and of my life and of the lives of the giants. Amen? He has it. He has it. So, what are you listening to and what are you looking at? Are you looking at the trials and the troubles and the situations or the challenges? Are they what continually occupy your mind and so therefore drain your faith away? Or are you looking towards the truth, God's word and the promises of God in our lives? I love Paul is going through a really, really difficult time. He's had the lard kicked out of him. Him and his team have been through everything. And I mean, we think we have troubles. They had serious troubles going on in their lives. And they had serious troubles because they were preaching the gospel and advancing the message of Jesus Christ. And yet Paul was able to say to the Corinthian church when he was writing to them, he said, so we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. It seems oxymoronic. It doesn't seem to make any sense. We fix our gaze on things that we can't see. Yes, God is spirit. We cannot lay eyes on him. We cannot see him. Or moreover, well, the things that we cannot see are the things that God has and holds for us and is working out in our lives. Sometimes we can't see what's going on. Even in the middle of a relationship, sometimes we can't see what's going on. He says we fix our gaze on the things we can that cannot be seen. Why? And this is says for the things that we see know will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever the troubles you have now the challenges you have now they'll soon be gone but God who will see you through it he will last forever the things that you cannot lay your eyes on right now they will last forever there's actually a way there is a way of keeping the things that you cannot see before your eyes and it's in your hand most of your days. It's your Bible. It should be in your hand most of your days. Let me just add that there, just for the record. Or it could be on your phone. That's fine. I've got phone. I've got 19 Bibles on my phone. But there you go. It's your Bible. That's how you fix your eyes on the things that cannot be seen. In it, it is God's unerrant word. It speaks the truth about him, about our lives, about our world, and about our circumstances. And if you could take even just a couple of pages for brothers. Just a couple of pages and get them under your skin. Get them into your mind. Massage them into your soul. Memorize the best bits of it. They will be a bulwark to you because it is the voice of God speaking to your situation. And whose voice do you want to listen to? Amen. Whose voice do you want to listen to? Never let fear decide your future, brothers and sisters. And we are not going to be, as Paul says, we are not those who fall back and are lost. 
but those who press on and are saved, he writes to the Hebrews. Are you one of those people who presses on and is saved? He says, no glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us. Where is it work? Within us. And he can do infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our highest desires, our thoughts, and our hopes. Is that the voice we want to listen to? Or do we want to vo listen to the voice of defeat? Are you going to listen to the voice that tells you, maybe the worship team will quote guys with it, wrap it up. Are you going to listen to the voice that says, they're giants, they're huge, and we're just grasshoppers? Are you going to listen to the voice that says, the situations and the challenges you face are huge, and you are too weak and too small? Are you going to listen to the voice of faith? Are you going to listen to the voice of fear? Because the voice of fear will defeat you. It will defeat you. It will frustrate you. It will stop the good things God wants from happening in your life from happening in your life because you will back away from the test and the fire. Or will you listen to the voice of faith that says, through our God, we can do mighty things because He has trampled down our enemies. Are we going to listen to the voice of faith that says, it is Finished. Are we going to listen to that voice? Are we going to listen to the voice of faith that says the battle belongs Amen. to the Lord? Amen.